Hey, so good to see you. I know we're already 12 days in, but can I just say Happy New Year? First chance I've got to stand up here and say it to you in 2020. So Happy New Year to you all. Uh, I hope your year started off well. Uh, for those of you who made resolutions, I hope 12 days in, you are still sticking hard to those resolutions that you made. Uh, I was out this week. I saw that the parking lot, uh, got there and the parking lot was packed to the gym there by Kroger. Cars everywhere. So uh, that was cool. I discovered it because I was trying to get through on my way to Dunkin' Donuts, but um, I went the other way. It was fine, so I'll just make sure to go around the long way. But, uh, but yeah, whatever your resolutions are, I hope you're sticking to them and, and things are going well. Uh, I wasn't actually able to be here last weekend for the very first weekend of the year. I heard Andy did a fantastic job. I watched the message online. He did a great uh, job at starting off our series entitled Margin. Uh, the reason uh, I wasn't here, my wife and my family, we actually went home where I'm from, home for the holidays, uh, back to England. So we had a great time with my parents and friends, and we got to see and do a lot of things the other side of the Atlantic. And we always try and do something different whenever we're back. We always try and do something we've not done before. And uh, this time, we actually, uh, just Casey and I, we left the kids with my parents. Casey and I, we decided one afternoon we were going to go to this beautiful little village. It was only about 45 minutes from where my parents lived. I can't believe we've never been there before. But it's this village in Surrey, where I'm from, called Sheer, S-H-E-R-E. And I've got a picture of uh, the high street in this little English village here. You'll get to see it here in just a second. There it is. So this was a Sunday afternoon in the beautiful beautiful village of Shear, and uh, it's just a typical quaint old English village, and it was just some nice shops, and we got to walk a little bit by a river there, uh, but one of the reasons, I've got to be honest, one of the reasons we did want to go to this particular village, Shear, is because uh, there was a movie that was filmed there years ago called The Holiday. Uh, you might have heard of that film. It starred Jude Law and Cameron Diaz. It's a story of uh, an American girl who falls for an English guy, and I thought, well, that sounds like a great story to me, so uh, we need to go and see... (laughs) We need to go and see where that film was made. So uh, after all, it was Christmas. Uh, the story was very similar to, to mine and Casey's, my wife. Um, I'm always being mistaken for Jude Law. So why not? I mean, there were so many reasons why, why we should go there. So, uh, so we went. Uh, we got to see, if you've seen the movie, we got to see the cottage uh, that is from the movie. Okay, we've got a picture of that. We're going to pop up right there. That is the cottage. Now, in actual fact, we discovered when we got there, that even though this is the cottage on which the movie was based, this isn't the cottage where they did the filming, okay? They actually made a cottage in a field nearby for the movie. This was the cottage they built just for, and there's Cameron Diaz on her way into it, so it was based on that other cottage. But, so that one's gone, but we got to see the cottage that it was based on. Uh, we got to see the pub that Jude Law and Cameron Diaz have their date in. We got to sit in that pub, and I think there's a picture of Casey and I here, uh, um, having our uh, sitting down there, right there, look in front of that picture of Cameron and Jude Law. It's just great. It's just like like we're brothers. Amazing. So. Uh... <laughs> There we are, sat in the pub where they sat. And we also got to visit the church. So right in the middle of this village, there's this church, okay? And if you've seen the movie The Holiday, you'll see the church. It keeps showing up in the background of all the different shots. And... Um 
This church was incredible. This church is, uh, was, was built around 1,200. So this church is like 900 years old, eight or 900 years old, just unbelievable, and uh, just incredible to see all the history there. And when I walked into this church, just inside the doors of the church, they've got this plaque on the side of the wall, and it's a list of all the ministers, all the pastors of this church. And I don't know if you can see it, but it starts all the way back to a guy called, I think his name's Darius or Harius or something, back in 1270, the founding pastor of this church. And I got thinking about that. I thought, you know, maybe we need a, uh, something like that here at the Doors of Connect. You know, it starts there, Dave Jane, and then 900 years later, people will look back and think, who was this Dave Jane? Um, but as I was standing there looking at this list of all these ministers over these hundreds of years, I have to be honest, there was a part of me that thought, I'm really glad that I didn't have to pastor a church back in those days, back in the 1200s and the 1300s. I mean, back then in, in Europe, it was known as the Dark Ages, okay? I mean, there was a reason they called it the Dark Ages, because looking back, it wasn't a great time to be alive, Back in the Dark Ages, there was high levels of infant mortality. There was no dentists, people's teeth falling out. Um, there was the bubonic plague. I mean, there was a lot of bad things going on around that time. So I'm so glad that I'm alive today in 2020. But I got to thinking as I was working on my message this week, because I'm talking about the idea of margin when it comes to our work lives. Our day-in, day-out careers that we're all a part of, uh, the work, whatever that looks like. I wondered if maybe 500 years from now, people will look back on our society, look back on our generation. And I wonder if they'll look back at the way we worked and think, man, I'm glad I wasn't alive back then. Those people were crazy. <laughs> they worked so hard. They did so much. You see, that's what we're talking about in this series, the idea of margin, and Andy did a fantastic job of kicking it off last week. If you weren't here, I'd highly recommend jumping online or on the Connect Live app there that he was talking about, and you can watch last week's message, and he really kind of set the foundation for what we're going to talk about in this, uh, this short series that's going to take us through the month of January. But today, I want to really narrow in on one aspect of margin. We're going to talk about a few different areas, but today, we're going to talk about margin when it comes to our work versus our rest, because I feel like that margin, that gap between work and rest just seems to be getting thinner and thinner, narrower and narrower. I discovered this statistic in 2014. The Economist reported that 60% of people who use smartphones are connected to their offices for 13 and a half or more hours a day. Now, that was six years ago. i got to believe that actually those numbers are even higher now. I bet it's higher than 60%, and sadly, I bet it's even more than 13 hours. Technology is a wonderful thing, but it means we're connected all the time. And if you're in a job right now, that means you're accessible. People can reach you at any time. Now, I've known for several weeks that this was the topic I would be speaking about today. And I have to be honest with you here this morning, I've struggled with it. Because if I'm totally honest this morning, the person in this room who needs to hear this message the most is stood right in front of you right now. Because this is something I battle with constantly. Finding that margin, that balance between work and life, work and family, work and my relationship with God. And I'll tell you why. I, I kind of fall into this trap sometimes, this philosophy that, you know, this stuff needs to be done. And, and once I've finished everything that needs to be done... Well, then 
there'll be time to spend with my family or my friends or spend time with God. But do you know what? There's always stuff needs to be done. The list is endless. And if we're not careful, that margin gets shaved away, doesn't it? And before we know it, there's just no gap that we can see between work and rest. So I want to talk about that this morning because I would imagine that as I, even as I'm speaking about this, some of you already are thinking, that's me. Maybe you're in a career right now. You could be the employee. Maybe you're the employer. Maybe it's your business. I've come to find in my life, it doesn't matter where you find yourself, that um, life is busy. Work can be busy. Like that statistic said, we are more accessible now than ever before. Some of you work for companies here in town that do worldwide business. So you don't even get to, to carry on a regular work day. You know, China's awake at this time, so this is when I have to do my work. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a homeowner. And your work is just as important and just as busy. You're getting the kids to and from school, keeping the house looking good, cooking, buying groceries. And, and some of you are doing this and still working a job on top of that. You know, I bet even if you're a student here this morning, even if you're in high school or college here this morning, you could talk about the workload that you're trying to balance. The pressure in high school of knowing that these grades could determine what college I find myself at. On top of that, I've got to get some extracurricular and stuff, stuff in as well because that'll look good on my uh, application to college. Maybe you're in college this morning and you really want to uh, work through that and you've got to make sure you can also work part-time as well to help cover the cost of college. And I don't care if you're an employer, an employee, a homemaker, a student, every one of us battles the pressure of work in our lives. And if it just ended there, that would be one thing. But now, we live in a society where even our time of rest is up for grabs. Even when we're not working, there's a battle even for our downtime. I was working on my message and I came across this quote from a, uh, a guy by the name of Reed Hastings. He's actually the, the CEO of Netflix. He was talking about the revolution of streaming services and, and how you can, we live in this great time. We haven't got to wait a week to watch the next episode. You could watch an entire show in one sitting. You can watch a whole season, all the episodes of one show. What a great time it is. And listen to his quote. He said this. He says, you get a show or a movie you're really dying to watch and you end up staying up late at night. So we actually compete with sleep and we're winning. The CEO of Netflix sees his competition as rest, sleep. But we're winning. <laughs> we're even taking that away from you. And I think this is having an effect on us. I think it's affecting who we are. As individuals, as a society. Listen to what the American Psychological Association said in a survey they conducted talking to people in the workforce. They found that more than a third, 36% of workers, experience chronic work stress, which can lead to anxiety, insomnia, muscle pain, increased blood pressure, as well as a weakened immune system. This kind of stress can also increase chances of heart disease, diabetes, and depression. I don't know about you, but as I go into 2020, I want this to change. 
I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want this to affect me in this way. I personally am examining my own life to see how I can adjust this balance. And maybe you are here this morning as well. But you know that Jesus addressed this very issue. Jesus talked about this this phenomenon 2,000 years ago. He was surrounded by a crowd of people. He was teaching one day. And we can read in the account that John gives us of this particular incident that day that Jesus is explaining um, the, the, the battle that we're in. He's talking about an enemy. He's talking about the devil. And he, he's, he's revealing the devil's plan. He's revealing the, the enemy's plan to, to hurt and harm and destroy us. And listen to what he says in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, the enemy, the devil, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is saying that's his agenda. When he sees you, he has one thought in mind. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission in life. So when he looks at our work life, he wants to steal any rest that we might experience. He wants to steal any quality time that we may experience with our family or our loved ones. He wants to steal away that relationship that we have with God because of the pressure of work and the pressure of um, the things we have to do in our lives. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And when I think about those stats that I read earlier from the American Psychological Association... It sounds like it's working. It sounds like there's some stealing and some killing and some destroying that's going on today in our culture. And I want to see that change. And the great news is that when Jesus shared this to this crowd 2,000 years ago, that I believe is just as real and important to us today. When he shared this idea of what the, the thief is trying to do, he didn't end there. He explained the strategy of the thief. He explained what the the thief was trying to do. But then listen to what he went on to say. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. Jesus says, here's the answer. Here's the good news. I have come that they, you, me, that we may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus is saying, yeah, the the enemy, the thief, he has a plan that's to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've got a plan too. I've got a strategy. And if you'll follow me, if you'll turn to me, if you'll allow me to be a part of your life, I will help you discover life and life to the full. I love it. Not only is he wanting to protect us from the harm that the thief can do, he also wants to provide for us life and life to the full. So how do we find this full life that he's talking about? I think it's obvious, isn't it? We have to quit our jobs. (laughs) Drop out of school. That's the answer this morning. Right now, students have turned to their parents saying, see, I told you, I've got to, he said, said I've got to drop out. No, 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 no. (laughs) I'm kidding. Obviously, that's not the answer. Please don't leave here this morning thinking that I'm speaking against the idea of work. It's very important. That we work. In fact, I, I know there are some of you here this morning that thank God for the opportunity He's given you, for the employment that He's given you, for the wonderful place in which you get to work. Some of you have battled against periods of time where you've not been in work, and now you're thankful to God that He's given you work. 
As students, when you work hard, you have an opportunity to, to increase your education, to do well in life. It's good to have the opportunity to work. But it's bad when it comes at a cost. When it comes at the cost of our loved ones. At the time of a cost of rest in our own lives. A time of spending time with God. So, so how do we keep the job? How do we keep the work? And yet still experience this life to the full that Jesus spoke about? Well, I believe the answer can be found in margin. That's why we're talking about this in this series. The answer can be found in margin because I think God himself created our universe, our lives with margin in mind. God put it there from the very beginning. Here's what I mean. We're going to go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It's the story of creation. And listen to how um, it's described here. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. If you're familiar with the creation story, you know that there was a, a six days in which God was creating the universe. And then on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, Andy introduced us to this idea last week. He, he explained that if you read through the Old Testament and through Moses and the people of Israel, there's this, this talk of this thing called the Sabbath. That's what he's talking about, that day of rest. And this is amazing. God, God's created some incredible things. God's created mountains and oceans and stars and duck-billed platypus and all this incredible creation that God has made. I'm not sure if that's the plural, pie. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but of everything he's created, listen to the very first thing that he determines as being holy. It's not the oceans, it's not the universe, it's not the... Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God made that day of rest a holy day. It's something special. And let's be honest, I'm not sure where you find yourselves here this morning in your belief of, of who God is and the role that he plays in our life, but I think every one of us, if we're to believe that God created the heavens and the earth, probably find it hard to believe that he needed to have a breather at the end. <laughs> Oh, I need a rest. That was exhausting. I mean, he's just created everything. He's God. I don't think he needed to take a rest. But for some reason, he allowed a day at the end to rest. And, and one author of a concordance I was reading this week put it this way. He says, in Genesis 2, God both works and rests. God in his omnipotence, that means all-powerful. So God in his all-powerfulness clearly does not need to rest for reasons of physical tiredness or exhaustion. He does not need to rest so that he can become more productive, given that he has already created everything. So clearly there is something more to rest than maintaining energy for the production line. So if this is the case, why did God put that margin in there? Why did he put that, that day of rest? Why did he determine there's a holy experience? Because I think he wanted us to understand the importance of having margin, of having rest in our lives. 
And do you know what I think it is? I think he created that margin. I think he created that day of rest with relationship in mind. I think God created margin rest with relationship in mind. I'll explain. I think God created that day of rest that's referred to in the Old Testament as the Sabbath because he wanted there to be a day that people would set, in, set, set aside for relationship with him. The fact that you're here this morning on this miserable winter's day when Facebook told us yesterday it was going to be the end of the world and it actually turned out not to be too bad. And you showed up to church. You made a choice, and I'm so grateful that you did. Because I think it's a great choice to make. To say, this is important. This, this is what the Sabbath means to me, to, to take a day of rest so that I can... And, and however that plays out this morning, I hope it plays out in many different ways. I hope during the worship, and we were singing those songs, that some of the words of the songs connected with, with where you are in your life right now. I hope right now, if you've got kids, they are learning that God has a wonderful plan for their lives, that he loves them dearly, that they're very special. Maybe this morning as I'm speaking, there's something that God is saying to you, and maybe all it is is it's just focusing you for the week ahead to say, I want to I start my week in a place of relationship with God because I want to take him with me throughout this week. I want to experience him in my school and in my workplace and in my home. So, so I'm going to take this point for rest and relationship with God. I think God, that's why God put this margin in there. Rest for us to spend time with him, but also rest for us to spend time with others. I hope sometime over this last week, and if you didn't, I hope sometime in this coming week, you recognize that God when he created the universe, created rest for a purpose. That you weren't designed to work all week long. That there was meant to be a point where you can rest and, and have relationship with your family. Maybe this week it was a, a date night or it was sitting around the table together as a family and switching off the devices and, and actually enjoying a meal together. Whatever it was, I hope you found a place and I hope this week you'll find another place where you can rest and experience relationship with, with your loved ones, with your friends, with those around you. Do you know, back in the early 1900s in Russia, Stalin was the leader at the time. And he decided that this, uh, these two days off each week, or even one day off, it was just, it was hurting productivity. We are Russia. We, we could work seven days a week. We could get so much more done. So, so back in the early 1900s, Russia changed the calendar and introduced this whole idea of a seven-day work week, where work would continue every single day of the week. Now, they didn't expect the citizens to work every single day, but they expected somebody to be working every single day. So they changed the calendar, and they got rid of the, the days as, as we would know them, and, and uh, the days were kind of given these symbols instead, and if you were a, a flag, you worked on these days, and if you were this, something else, you'd work on these days. And the whole idea is that seven days a week, 24 hours a day, there would be people working. They thought it was a great idea. Well, it actually failed miserably. It affected the people because their days off were different days and, and morale went down and productivity went down. The machines started to break down more often because they were being used every single day. There was no downtime at all on these machines. So after about 10, 15 years of this, they realized this isn't working. 
And I think what they discovered was that God had put this principle into life. That there should be a time of rest. There should be a Sabbath. And I, you know, as funny as I was thinking about this, I was thinking the sad thing is we're, we're actually becoming more and more like Russia in the early 1900s. I mean, there's, there's every day of the week people are working. Unless you work for Chick-fil-A. Well done, Chick-fil-A. You, you've hung in there. <laughs> you keep us that one day. Well done. But it can be a challenge, can't it? But I'll tell you what's the challenge. As I'm working on this message, sending you away with some hope this morning. Because <laughs> if you're like me, you're sitting there thinking, Dave, I, I believe what you're saying, but I'm already thinking about the next week trying to work out what I could do to change, and I don't know that I can. I've got a busy week coming up. I've just had a busy week. How can I create this margin? How can I find this space? Well, I think what I want to share with you this morning, hopefully this will help, is that you haven't got to change everything. But maybe there's something. Maybe there's just one small change you could make this week to create a little more margin, to create some balance between work and rest. I came across this video of this guy, he's Australian, he was speaking at a TED talk, and, and he captures the idea of what I'm trying to say really well, so listen to this. If society is to make any progress on this issue, we, we need an honest debate. But the trouble is, so many people talk so much rubbish about work-life balance. Now, the first step in solving any problem is acknowledging the reality of the situation you're in. And the reality of the society that we're in is there are thousands and thousands of people out there leading lives of quiet, screaming desperation, where they work long, hard hours at jobs they hate to enable them to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. <laughs> and it's my contention that going to work on a Friday in jeans and T-shirt isn't really getting to the nub of the issue. <laughs> but an incident that happened a couple of years ago gave me a new perspective. My wife, who is somewhere in the audience uh, today, called me up at the office and said, Nigel, you need to pick our younger son up, Harry, from school. She had to be somewhere else with the other three children for that evening. So I left work an hour early that afternoon and picked Harry up at the school gates. We walked down to the local park, messed around on the swings, played some silly games. I then walked him up the hill to the local cafe and we shared a pizza for tea. Then walked down the hill to our home uh, and I gave him his bath and put him in his Batman pajamas. I then read him a chapter of Roald Dahl's James and the Giant Peach. I then put him to bed, tucked him in, gave him a kiss on his forehead and said, good night, mate, and walked out of his bedroom. As I was walking out of his bedroom, he said, Dad, I went, yes, mate. He went, Dad, this has been the best day of my life, <laughs> ever. I hadn't done anything. Hadn't taken him to Disney World or bought him a PlayStation. Now, my point is, the small things matter. Being more balanced doesn't mean dramatic upheaval in your life. With the smallest investment in the right places, you can radically transform the quality of your relationships and the quality of your life. Moreover, 
I think it can transform society. Because if enough people do it, we can change society's definition of success away from the moronically simplistic notion that the person with the most money when he dies wins to a more thoughtful and balanced definition of what a life well lived looks like. And that, I think, is an idea worth spreading. Yeah. I don't know if he caught that, but he left work one hour early. That was all he did. And in his son's eyes, it was the best day of his life ever. The band are going to come up. They're going to play quietly in the background. Here's how I want to close out the service this morning. On your, on your seats when you came in this morning with these note cards. I want you to take a moment here before we leave. And we're actually going to do this every Sunday throughout the series. So keep your note cards. You're going to want to bring it back next week. Just write the word margin on there. And I want you to think of something small this week that you could do. It could be anything, anything at all. But maybe as you've sat here this morning, you've thought, there's so much things that are difficult to change. But what's one small thing you could do? It could enhance your relationship with God. It could enhance your relationship with your spouse. It could enhance the relationship, the time you get to spend with your kids. But one small thing that you could do this week, write the word margin at the top, and then keep this note card with you, and let it remind you and challenge you that even if it's just one small thing, I can do something. I can do something this week that will make a difference. I'll let them play for a little bit here, and I'll give you a chance to write something down. God, speak to us this morning. Give us an idea of what we could do, even just something small, to make a difference. And then I'll come up in a second and close out in prayer. Father God, creator of our universe, clearly you didn't need a day to rest, and yet you put a day of rest in the creation story, and you deemed it holy. From the 
very beginning of creation, you put this margin in place. Because God, I think you know us. You know that the the enemy, the thief, wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy. Steal our time, steal our rest, steal our relationships. But God, you want us to experience the life and the life to full that only Jesus himself can provide. But we'll only ever find that life if we're intentional about the margin that we create. The margin that we create to spend time with you on a Sunday or, or during the week. The margin that we create to spend time with our loved ones and our kids and our family. So God, when it comes to the work-life balance that every one of us struggles with, students, homemakers, employees, employers, Lord, I know this room is full of some incredibly amazing people who have fantastic careers and are very important and have a lot of demands on them but at the same time Lord I know deep down in their heart of hearts they want to experience that rest they want to experience that relationship with you and with with others so even if it's just spending time this week with that card in our hands just few minutes a day saying, God, what could I do today? Something small to help keep the balance there. Let us do that this week. Help us, Lord. We, we can't do this in our own strength. We need you, Jesus, to help us. So help us create that margin so we may live life to the full. In Jesus' name.